to hear sleigh bells in the snow I, I, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas with every Christmas card I write May your days, may your days, may your days be merry and bright. You can hear it in the recording. And may all your Christmases be white. Merry Christmas from Cold Pizza. <laughs> Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted. Hey, that's biblical. <laughs> True. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> I have no idea how I'm going to do this one, but let's have fun. Hello and welcome, well, welcome to Cold Pizza. No, he, <laughs> you can do it. You should do it. <clears throat> Hello, welcome to Cold Pizza. My name is Pastor Russ, and I am awesome. I do jujitsu and smoke pipes, and I'm an all-around. Nice guy. Thanks, Pastor Jeff. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm in like a snow of uh, sugared, powdered sugar over here. Yeah, Russ is eating random desserts that have been dropped off for Christmas. It's the holidays. At the building. You should never trust those. <laughs> I'm the cupbearer to the king. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I really think that they're covered in cocaine. Probably. Not that I know what cocaine tastes like, church family. <clears throat> well, if you want to see me hyper, this is probably as close as you'll get. <laughs> Sugar and powdered sugar. Russ can't stop grinning. That's right. That's me. <laughs> I have my coffee. I'm ready. Welcome back to Cold Pizza, oh, guys. Man. We're glad you're here with us for our holiday edition. I guess that's what this one is. Um, I've got Pastor Jeff, as you heard, introduce himself slash me. I am here. And Pastor Matt. Hey, guys. This week we are talking about nasty raisins, which uh, could also be <laughs> appropriate for the season. Listen, man. The... <laughs> The worst thing in the world, the worst thing in the world, is when you bite into a cookie and you think it's chocolate chip cookie, and <laughs> that, it's yes. a raisin cookie. Yes. That is the essence of deception. Yes, people should be put in jail. They probably just gathered those up out of their couch. Probably. But I'm also a child of the 80s, 90s, and when you were talking about raisins that were nasty, I was thinking of the California Raisins commercials. I, you know, this, this crossed my <laughs> mind, too. <laughs> Dancing and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. My kids don't even like raisins. My mom used to give them to us when we were little. The, the little, you know, little boxes. Yeah. And it was all just stuck together. Yeah. It's you know? not. Oh, it's, yeah. It's not raisins. It's a, a raisin. It's a giant raisin <clears throat> cluster. I have mm -hmm. another memory. My dad. Is your life like a giant raisin cluster? Like, it's just one big chew ball. Yeah. Mm. Also, my dad you used to get all these to like. Christ the Lord Church and get help. <laughs> <laughs> now, don't, now, don't miss this. My metaphor. It's technically like homegrown raisins, meaning grapes that fell into the couch. Oh, yes. No, that got, you pulled that. out. I got that. Which is like even more nasty. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. This is true. Anything, anytime raisins get left somewhere. Like my dad used to get all these leather portfolios from work that he didn't want, and they would just pass them out. Mm -hmm. So we would get them because we thought they were the coolest thing in the world. You get like faux leather stuff. Yeah. Well, for whatever reason, we put our snacks in there. We put our singular raisin in there. And then you stick your hand in there sometime later, and it just comes out like sticky. Everything It's everything that I was afraid of children for. So, yeah, appropriate uh, title and very visceral reaction, I think, to all of us. Uh, Everybody, when you give that analogy about reaching your hand in the couch, the whole congregation was going, because like, everybody has had that experience. Done it. Yes, well, and I don't know how your guys's are. Um, There's always some hair and lint but, on them. But ours is, we lose the remote. Yeah, that's where we're going. On about a weekly basis. Yeah. So it's either one of two places. It's underneath the couch, which I would love. That would be awesome if it was always underneath the couch. Way easier. But it's usually in between the cushions. Yeah. <laughs> the other night, Sarah was cleaning out the, uh, or not cleaning out, we were trying to find a remote, rather. She was trying to find a remote. It was in our little chair and a half. And she kind of pulls it out. And and usually for my wife, when she pulls out the couch or she pulls out a cushion and it's dirty, she's going to clean it. Mm -hmm. And I say to her, please just put the cushion back on there. <laughs> 
and you pull the cushion out and you're like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I was like, and, I, and just close your eyes and just put it back. <laughs> just leave that couch here just, when we move. <laughs> just leave it there. Hey, new tenants, you get a brand new couch with this. <laughs> it comes if you ever a, get hungry, comes with twenty raisins. <laughs> Just right down in They're there. all different ages. Bro, you guys must eat a lot of grapes on your couch. We eat a lot. My, my wife loves grapes. Like, yeah, loves, loves. Like uh, we spend way too much money on How grapes. How do you lose them? I don't understand that part. Uh, there's kids. I still don't understand that part. They're big. They're like yeah, choking are. hazards. Yeah, this is true. Yeah, but my kids would, like, lose their feet if they weren't attached. <laughs> I believe that. True. <laughs> Especially my youngest two. I believe that. My my boys like to throw grapes across and see if they can catch them in their mouths. So that's how <laughs> grapes find their way all over the place. Joking mouth. hazard. Yeah. One time, uh, uh, Sarah and I were at Don and Pam's house before we were uh, married, and we had a grape fight in their house. Oh, nice! And there were grapes smattered on the walls. <laughs> They're essentially tasty paintballs. This is true. <laughs> well, you can really fling a grape, and it really hurts. Man, have you freezed those suckers? You ever had a frozen grape? Y- yeah, nah. I mean, yes, I have. Nah, I'd rather not. Yeah, you can throw those, too. <laughs> that would hurt. <laughs> All right. Well, in our sermon yesterday, you were helping us uh, unpack the beginning of another warning. And uh, <laughs> we're coming out of this. You get one next week. I do. I'm actually pretty excited about uh, I mean, mine. two weeks from now. Yeah. Actually, pretty excited about that that text, especially since you got to unpack the Old Testament component primarily of it, and I think that that was helpful. Um, and I don't have a big through line for this podcast today, but a lot of kind of this is literally mm-hmm. like the cold pizza. We're gonna pick up a few of the the remaining topic toppings that were left. But one thing that I was thinking about um, for no particular reason, and I don't have a story attached to it. Uh, but there's a difference between having high emotions and being hangry. <laughs> and I feel like being hangry changes things, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it seems to be a whole nother level of yeah. emotion. Um, but I'm not going to do any stories for that. So God like to keep my life intact. <laughs> 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 but with that uh, aside, I think one of the most helpful things yesterday... Um, and I don't, I didn't, didn't bring in my written notes today, but you said essentially along the lines that their rebellion, their disobedience, uh, is, is not just what we would w- want to say is like, well, he's just disobeying or it's just being foolish or it's whatever. And it's not just the negative, but it's saying something else. It's saying it has a flip side to it. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not just a failure to do something on one side, but it's saying something on the flip side. And the flip side is is that God is false. God is not trustworthy. Mm-hmm. God is not true. Any kind of variable of those things. I think that, that is one of the most helpful components to connect for us uh, when we think about these, these warnings is it's in one sense, if we don't do the positive, then we're in danger of the negative. But then on the flip side for sin, if we do the negative, then we're saying something with our actions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, we just don't – In when, when, when we think about uh, anything shortcoming, like anything non-preferable, mm-hmm. um, we we tend – especially if, it's, if we're the perpetrators, we try to just minimize those things so, so far. So, um, you know, oh, man, I, I, I messed up or – um, even if I had to say, well, I, I send and we even get that far. Um, so in this case, in this situation, you have like a, the, a hardened heart and most of us, okay, well, he just has a hardened heart. He just, he just a curmudgeon. Um, or, uh, th- but then you go not just a hardened heart, but there's, it's called rebellion and, that believing one thing necessarily means not believing the right thing. And that's what you're getting at there, is that uh, the inverse of it's also true. Yep. Uh, and my broader point in this moment is that I think we neglect the inverse of it, or neglect thinking or parsing or digging into the inverse of it, because we just want to be done with it. Mm-hmm. We just want to, we want to make light of the failure, we want to make light of the situation, and we just... We just want to move on. We don't want to be like a, a surgeon, a good surgeon, and make sure all the the infections out. And 
So, yeah, if I'm believing one thing, then that always means I'm not believing something else. I mean, yeah. and, and that can be good and bad. Mm-hmm. If I'm believing the right thing, then that means I'm not believing the wrong thing, yeah. right? Right? That's good. But if I'm believing the wrong thing, then it means I'm not believing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, it's one thing to believe the wrong thing about, like, I can't think of any better example than, like, maybe that one gas station has a better price than the other gas station, and you're just wrong. That That's one thing. You're believing something wrong about that gas station. But here we're talking about believing something right or wrong about God. Mm-hmm. And so if it's wrong, then you're saying that the right thing is wrong. If you're believing the wrong thing, and that's rebellion, yeah. And, and matter of fact, that's at, at the core of all rebellion. I mean, that's what we see back with with Adam and Eve. So, well, and uh, recognizing that is actually going to help you deal with the issue. Mm-hmm. So that, that, yeah. that drives well, to the heart that's, of the matter. That's why when we say repentance and faith, repentance is not just for the wrong action. I mean, it's what we learn in DNA. So for many of you guys listening, you you know this already. Yeah, but this is why. This is where it comes from. Yeah. You're you're repenting of of not just the action, but the wrong belief that led to the action. Um, And then that's why there's the other part of that, which is faith. Mm -hmm. It's not just faith to do the right action, but faith to believe the right way. That's what you need faith to believe the right thing more than you need faith to do the action because the action will flow naturally from right belief. Just like action flows, wrong action flows uh, normal or uh, flows automatically from wrong belief. Mm Unbelief. Yeah, Yeah, I I think in kind of putting a stamp on what we're saying about God is the fact that God is saying essentially the same thing back to us. So, for instance... Um, Calvin has this in his commentary on this passage. He says it translates it more along the lines of not you shall not enter, but if you, if they enter, like if it were to come about that they happen to enter into the land mm-hmm. is, is if it was of, to happen <clears throat> is more of the form of it. He's saying uh, in this case, it, and for that to be understood as an imprecation, it's an imprecatory statement, right? Mm-hmm. It's an imprecation or some such thing where men speak. But when God speaks, it's the same as though he said, let me not be deemed true or let me not be hereafter believed if such a thing shall not be so. So he's saying that should they happen into the land, uh, then then I'm not true. Mm. Uh, So he's saying, I mean, Calvin's just echoing what you said, Mm. but recognizing that it's God essentially saying that as an an imprecation. Ah, yeah, yeah, it makes sense. So if they were to enter into my rest, Mm -hmm. not believing rightly uh, about me, then what I'm saying or who I am is not true. That's right. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, wow, that's good. And you referenced this yesterday in your sermon that this goes back to what? Uh, the serpent tempts Adam and Eve with, and at its core is, yes, you can't trust God, but ultimately what he's saying there is God is not who he says he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God is not who he says he is. Yeah. He also makes a note, though, is <laughs> interesting in referencing the psalm, that it's not, uh, you shall not enter the land, but the, I assume it's David, is the psalmist. Uh, mm-hmm. He says that David changes it to my rest. Is God takes ownership of it again? Mm. It's like it's not just the land anymore. It's mine. It's my rest. Mm, so yeah. you're not entering into my land because mm. you don't believe me. me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that that change of language of ownership, which just points to the 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 point is you don't get to be with me. Mm-hmm. Right. I, that which is where I landed. You just don't. You just don't get to be with me. Yep. We're the house. Again, we're the sanctuary, <clears throat> and God dwells in us. And you don't get me. You don't get that rest. And that's one of the primary issues, though, is that we often believe, and you said this, that the problem is outside of us and that the answer is inside. Right? Mm-hmm. And even in this picture here, we set up a, of helping illustrate what the, the true uh, situation is. Right? You have the gospel says that the problem is inside you, and the answer is outside you mm-hmm. yeah and it's just the right framing of understanding the life that we encounter and so we take that into one of the other things that you talked about yesterday with the idea of uh, we often hear this having done ministry as long as we have people saying that they don't feel fed right mm-hmm. and <laughs> when people say that i just want to say it sounds like a personal problem <laughs> 
Here's a fork. I, uh, I want to say, was that was that uh, option one, two, or three when you Googled reasons for leaving a church? Yeah, it, there's a blog out there. <laughs> Things to say, yeah. Yes. Or, or, you know, or what seminary president gave a, a great article on uh, reasons to leave a church and, right. on the and put that on there. Four surefire ways to convince your pastors that you don't belong there anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you guys hear those statements, Pastor Matt, you shared some of this already yesterday. Uh, Jeff, when you hear statements like the, I don't feel fed, cared for, etc., what are your thoughts on that? I think they're stupid. <laughs> uh, I've heard them a lot. It's not a new thing to say these, you know, these kind of statements. I don't feel fed. I don't feel cared for. You know, I don't feel encouraged. I don't feel connected. My dad dealt with those, you know, when I was a kid, I, I heard him um, say that people said that to him. That problem there, you, you hit the nail on the head, Russ, because it sounds like a personal problem because it begins with, with me. Mm. I don't feel this, which is interesting because the gospel does call us to, to start with uh, us, but to start with us as in, I'm the problem, right? Well, it starts with us as Adam. Right, exactly. So I have to say, well, I'm probably the problem here, right? Because mm -hmm. I'm probably the one that has the issue. But we never seem to start there. And I think the reason we don't start there is because we don't first start with God. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't start with God and what we know to be true about him. And um, Which was, which was, let me interject yeah, this, like that was, which was how I was using that example. Right, exactly is we start with I feel this way right. and it is unquestionable. Right. Right? And I get it that that is the reality of which you feel, but it's a reality not based on reality. Exactly. And I know that's a weird thing to think about, sure. but I get it. You don't feel fed. That is your reality this moment. Mm -hmm. You really don't feel fed. But that reality can be based on a false reality, right. therefore making your reality, in a sense, like not correct, right. like making it wrong. There's multiple things that are factoring into that. Mm -hmm. And right away, our knee-jerk reaction is to say, I am not the problem. It's definitely the preaching or yeah. the church or, or my spouse or my parents or yeah. whatever. It's, it's their fault versus mine. It's a very American answer. To, <laughs> it is. To say, I'm, I'm legitimately hungry. Okay, I believe that your stomach hurts and you're hungry. But you are surrounded by a preponderance of food. True. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. Go, it, go it feed is, yourself. Yes, this is the most, uh, yeah. uh, you know, American thing I've ever heard. Right. Also, yeah. I think I said this in the communion devotion yesterday. I have never heard those statements um, come out of mature believers. Yeah. Um, that's in chapter four. That's, yeah, it's in chapter four. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a what you what you hear from mature believers is, um, you know, I'm I, I didn't really necessarily get anything out of uh, my time in the Word this morning, but I believe that the Word of the Lord does not return void. Mm -hmm. You know, that's right. That that sermon wasn't as right between the eyes as last week. Yeah, but it was a feast given from God's word and mm -hmm. I can trust that it's connecting something in my heart and I'm going to dive deep. And maybe the reason that it didn't seem to be smacking me right between the eyes is I'm too addicted to emotionalism and I want an emotional experience in a sermon that makes me feel good about Jesus or something. I had to have this emotional charge. Um, or maybe my heart is hardened. Yeah. Right. Maybe my heart is hardened and calloused. And so when the seed of God's word falls on it, it's just falling on a bunch of, of hardness. I'm going to have to do some digging, which means um, being realistic about myself and opening myself up to others, which breaks open a whole other category of community, which you talked about how not to harden your heart. And the first one is connection to the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just, I don't have any patience whatsoever for those kind of comments <laughs> anymore. It's like, but and the, other, the other American thing though, bro, is that you can always go down the street to the next church and find a pastor and a group that's going to do backflips for you to keep you entertained or to make you feel like that you have something of substance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and to defend you because I'm not you, but also because I experienced this, is it's not we're not it's not that we're taking it personally. Mm -mm. It's just so out of touch with reality. And I took it personally. <laughs> it's not, we're not like Jordan here, folks. <laughs> it's a personal problem. Yep. No, it, it's just. It's so far outside of the realm of what's actually happening yeah. that it's just there's nothing that we can do with that. There is no answer to right. that. Right. And I think 
frankly, that that feeds this particularly Old Testament quote the best. Because when you read it, you can almost get the sense that this is the first time that he's rejecting them. And it's not. Mm. It's the final rejection. And so this idea of you brought out complaining um, and how that shows that you do not know my ways, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And for me, as you're talking about that, I'm thinking back into Matthew and as uh, be gone from me, I never knew you. Mm. Jesus says to them, right? Mm -hmm. But we did all these things in your name and all this stuff. I don't know you. Yeah. Yeah. You don't know my ways. And so uh, again, in Calvin, as I was uh, reading for this, he says that this isn't the first time that they've been rejected. They're just proving out the first rejection. Mm-hmm. Nothing's changed. Mm-hmm. They, they haven't known his way for 40 years. Mm-hmm. He says, but as to the present passage, we ought not to think that they were then for the first time denied entrance into the land by God's oath when they tempted him here. For they had long before been excluded, even from the time that they had refused to march forward at the report of the spies. Mm-hmm. He goes on to say but that they continually added new offenses, and thus he shows that they fully deserved to be thus severely punished mm. for they never ceased to increase more and more his wrath by various sins as though he had said this this is the generation to which i denied the possession of the promised land for during the whole 40 years afterwards it betrayed its obstinate madness by innumerable sins mm. yeah which which highlights what i said yesterday about what you're doing now is what you will become mm-hmm. which is such a basic statement but it's so true that the small trickle um, of poison uh, uh, that you have on IV is going to continue to drip and drip and drip until one day you find yourself in a place that you never thought you would be. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why you end up having conversations with people who, um, who once knew and walked in the truth and you saw fruit in their life, but they didn't take seriously whatever that was that was contributing to the hardening of their heart. And then years later, you're looking at them and there's an absolute rejection of truth in the face of blatant truth. And, and many times I've seen people walk away from the faith altogether. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I skipped this part in the quote, but he says that there's essentially no helping them because yeah. they, there's no restoring them to a sound mind. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, well, were, it's, they were it's reaping that, what they had sown. It's that, uh, a Psalm, uh, 115, right? Mm-hmm. They, they, they have eyes, but cannot see and ears, yeah. but cannot hear and mouths, but cannot speak. And, and you know, back to the like not taking the the it personal. And it took it personal. <laughs> is <laughs> is like when you hear that, um, you're like, I, it's, that's not really the issue. Mm-hmm. But here's the the challenge, particularly as if you're the the preacher for which they don't feel fed from, <laughs> is when. When they, when someone has a real issue, and they make you the issue, mm. right? Then they essentially tie your hands behind your back and gag you, mm-hmm. because now, from a shepherding standpoint, from a shep- another one that I'll talk about in a second. From a shepherding standpoint, absolutely. Like you, and, and which is which is essentially what they're doing with God in this passage. Mm-hmm. They're 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 trying. So that's what I was to say. From the spiritual standpoint, from the salvation standpoint, they're trying to sacrifice you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They want you to be the vicarious atonement instead mm-hmm. yeah. for for their mistake and their failure. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which is what's what's happening in this passage too. So not only saying, can you not save them, but you also can't help them. Right. Yes. Yep. Yep. I, I just and that that's it's so um, unfortunate and sad and and I hate that. Now I think. Part of this, the beauty of an eldership is then the other elders can hopefully stick, can hopefully tap in on that. But, um, but then, you know, usually they're vilified along with it. Um, yeah. So they're kind of rendered useless, which, you know, which though, so then uh, I would say as an encouragement to the lay people then is that that's where you really come in because yeah. you... Um, Lord willing, are not being vilified there, and you can speak to that. Mm-hmm. You know, just like in the situation back with the Israelites, someone should have stood up and said, "No, I'm with Moses." Yeah. Um, someone should have stood up and said, "No, um, we're going to trust God." And and I imagine maybe there were, maybe Caleb. there were. Yeah. Caleb. yeah. We just didn't have any in that particular example. Yeah. Right. Um, at least not at that moment, that right. crucial moment. But and you see from the Israelites. And, and it's interesting, you know, we went through Joshua 
recently and seeing all these ties in Hebrews. But and then thinking back to our Exodus series, where you see these people, you know, set up set up reminders so that you can remember God's goodness, how He delivered you, and then also though, and I read recently through the Exodus, people were getting burned up, and uh, diseases are falling on people all the time. <laughs> this many thousand fell. This many thousand. You would think that people would say, huh, right? <laughs> like, we should listen to Moses. <laughs> maybe maybe my uh, mm-hmm. the way I think about this and my judgment on these things in this particular moment, yeah. um, however hard I might think it may be because I'm thirsty or I'm hungry or I'm wandering around out here and it's hot, um, maybe my judgment isn't the best here um, because God keeps burning up those people that are coming against his, his, uh, his will, what he has called for, and his servant. Right, mm-hmm. but of course we give them such a hard time when we we have um, we have the whole story, the better picture, the better picture of all these things. <laughs> right, they they looked at this serpent in the wilderness. Right, we understand what that is, mm-hmm. and so I think sometimes well, what excuse do I have in that? And you know, with, with the question uh, or with the comment about I don't feel fed or cared for and so on, towards a pastor, or a preacher, or a church, those kind of folks are doing that same kind of thing in their marriages. Mm-hmm. Um, in their workplaces, to their That's children. That's what I wanted to ask. It's like, let's take it out of the office of eldership. What are some other ways that you have heard or seen yeah. this type of sentiment? Yeah. Mm. Putting your, I mean, essentially the equation is you taking your issue, your problem, your failure, and putting it on someone else. And I think marriage is a big one. Yeah. It can happen with our kids as well. Yeah, for sure. Hmm. I, I think it happens in parenting a lot. I think, uh, uh, you know, uh, can, can, uh, it's, it's, I'll use example. I use this in my uh, parenting class. You know, uh, a husband watching his kids um, not treat his bride with the respect and honor that's due to her, mm-hmm. uh, and then and then judging it as her fault. Yeah. Um, and and the issue. You know, she might need to work on her parenting, certainly, and she might have some failures there. But, but that's on him. He's not communicated well enough to the kids. Yeah. You obey your mom as well as you do me. Yeah, mm-hmm. I had to correct my boys on that yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, I have to do that regularly. Yeah, um, and, and you're right though, because the mm. I looked at it and I thought that's my fault. Yeah, their their attitude towards their mother in that moment was was my fault. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. And it's so easy to look and say, oh, you should do a better job, right? Mm-hmm. Because obviously there's ways that, you know, Ren can parent better and, yeah. and so on and so forth. And she would admit that. But it is so easy to be like uh, our father, Adam, and mm-hmm. say, well, it ain't my fault, <laughs> right? Yeah. It ain't my fault, bro. Yeah, I think in that moment, you know, back to kind of tying this back to the because we're kind of like an implication and a sub point of an implication here somewhere down the stream uh, is that in that moment, like we've got to be ruled in that moment by reality and submitting to something outside of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. uh, and, and the point, yeah, the example in the sermon was I, um, he's telling us not to harden our hearts, like that we have an active role in doing that. So from that, don't let the way you feel or even just the way you think go unchecked on the inside. So in that, so then to now walk down the next layer. So then as I'm thinking about uh, spouse and parenting, particularly men with their wives, then then in that moment, it's not okay for me just to think that way. I need to. I need to check that. I need. To, yeah. Is that reality? Yep. Is that what the Bible says? Right. Is it? Is it all her fault? Well, well, I mean, she might not be towing the line like she needs to, or sure. she may not be spanking as quickly as she needs to, which or, is also or whatever. Your responsibility. But it's husband. also yes, yes. <laughs> right? That's right where I was going. Exactly. That's, that's also my responsibility. Yeah. yeah. If your wife's so, not doing that well, that's your fault too. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. I'm responsible for that. And, yeah. Um, and, and I may not be guilty of sin if she's not doing that, but I'm responsible to ensure that it does happen. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the other layer, which we were talking just a few moments ago was that I'm also responsible to, uh, ensure that my kids are connecting the dot that 
that my authority as the Lord of my household flows to my wife mm-hmm. and their mother, mm-hmm. and that which is given to me from God, mm-hmm. and that when they disrespect her, they're disrespecting me and ultimately God. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I, I was thinking of another example where we're seeing this um, idea of, well, uh, this is not my fault. My actions aren't my fault, right? Um, and one of the things we're seeing in our culture a lot lately, um, it's just kind of been given full vent to now, is the self-care movement. And I've talked about it before on Cold Pizza, and I see it so much. You see it, and you, what you're seeing it a lot now is in the in the church, though, as the church always seems to do, the big church. Um, and uh, you'll see that the the world grabs a hold of something and goes nuts for it, and so the church chases that thing as well, trying to beat the world at its own game. And tries to sanctify it. That's right, yeah, let's, let's redeem this, right? And um, there is definitely a place to get Good more luck. Uh, professional care, as, as in uh, uh, genuine biblical uh, counseling, uh, good biblical counseling. Um, you might need to step it up a little bit, uh, for sure. But the idea that um, since X happened to me, um, since I was abused in whatever way, um, therefore I have a free pass to do and treat others however I want. Um, and you can't call me to task on anything uh, because if, if you're too harsh, well, then you're a bully if, you know, whatever. And I, I can speak from a, you know, a, a place of experience in that as being somebody who has walked through um, sexual abuse in the past it is a it's a temptation that lies at the door. It's something I have to deal with. It's something that is not going to change as part of my story. But that's where the gospel is good news that it doesn't define me now, and I don't get to use that as an excuse. It, it informs me about mm-hmm. why I face certain temptations. It informs me on why I have certain struggles in my marriage and my parenting and and whatever else. It informs me on how I view certain things, but it cannot define me. And the church has been swallowing hook, line, and sinker this complete pass for anybody who cries victim. Which mm-hmm. is, so. If, and the hard part with these is because they're sensitive, you have to very carefully tiptoe through them, whereas if we could just step back and look at the reality, right. say, Jeff, if you think that that thing defines you, that is keeping you anchored to something, past, present, or future. Mm-hmm past right Mm -hmm. Right. you're clinging to it right you may not so what does that mean for the present and what does it mean for the future Mm -hmm. all right okay let's parse that out what's another word for anchoring bondage slavery Mm -hmm. um and so what is that keeping you from both present and future Mm -hmm. and then all right let's check the flip side what does the gospel do for you yeah it says something about your past it does something to you in the present and it calls you to something in the future Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so this thing that's anchoring you is Egypt. (laughs) You're doing this. You're doing what Israel is doing. Like I want to stay back where I know what I was, what was happening to me. Mm -hmm. It was terrible, but it's not this, this, this foolish going back to Egypt, no matter how sensitive, serious, whatever it is, we're not saying it didn't happen, Sure, but you ain't that anymore. You ain't there anymore. Yeah. Right. Come into the land. Right. Yeah. Well, and and I made the argument yesterday uh, and I didn't, rail on this long but that's the coward mm-hmm. like that's and and i know no one wants to call a victim a coward when they go back there but that's that's what's happening well, if because you it takes tape letters that's what it's gonna say <laughs> yeah uh-huh yeah, right. because it takes faith mm-hmm. which which what is faith it's courage right like those, things, those things go hand in hand we're not saying that these things aren't hard Correct. They're incredibly hard. Well, that's, just as well, that's, it is hard to lead your family and lead your but, wife. But that's my point. My right. point is like... It takes courage. The, it's hard mm-hmm. to step forward in faith. Yes. It's hard to believe what the gospel has planned for you. Like that takes faith. Right. Mm-hmm. The easy thing is to return to the vomit that you know. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, it, it's easy to return to the slaveholder. Mm-hmm. Like... It's easy to return to you. Why? Because you know that. You, it, even though, which is why, like abused victims, particularly like wives of domestic abuse, tend to return back to their husbands yep. over and over and over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's known. Yep. 
it's, they, it's at feels, least they it's all that they know. It's yeah. all that they know, and at least at least at least the guessing game isn't there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At least the faith. It's not. It doesn't require faith to go back mm-hmm. to that. Right. It requires faith to say maybe someone else can take care of me. It, t- it requires faith to say maybe there is a better life for me someplace else. Mm-hmm. It takes faith. It, that that's courage. Yeah. Yeah. And so for you to say no, I'm not going to return to the porn, or no, I'm not going to return to uh, being impatient with my children. Yeah. And instead, I'm going to see the good that God has planned. And I'm going to exercise faith, believing that and trusting He will build His house. I'm going to step away from the familiar and move on to what I must believe by faith mm-hmm. that he said, yeah. and, and then go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you're going to have to go and claim the promised land, mm-hmm. what Israel is facing. But yeah. this is, there's this, they have two options. They can go claim the promised land and fight, and it's going to be difficult, but they can go with courage and with, with God fighting for them. So you want to go as God's people, God fighting for you, and conquer the promised land and claim it, or do you want to go back and be slaves? Mm-hmm. Like those are the. It's not going to be easy. You're going to have to fight, but I'd rather fight as one of God's people, God fighting my battles versus going back to Egypt where, um, where I was a slave, and yeah, not considered a people at all. <laughs> and that that though what you're talking about though be really becomes an identity, in people's life. Um, it does. It, it does. That's that's my but new identity now, and that can be that can come obviously from believing lies and walking in. Mm-hmm. Um, in shame that they shouldn't be walking in. Mm-hmm. But there's also a level of when you understand the truth and you see uh, the light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak, it takes a lot of courage and guts and work to, and grit to get there. And so sometimes it's easier just for me to live in this reality because mm-hmm. I can get some attention for it or I can. Because I have food and grow. water. Because what? I have food and water. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's, it's, it's easy to stay on the other side of the river. Yeah. Other side of the Jordan. You're much less eloquent than the whole past, present, future thing that Russ said a few moments ago. Um, but but still, I think, is equally profound. You know, one, one of my uh, friends and uh, older mentors in my life, um, you know, we who, who's a biblical counselor, which is amazing for me to have that gift on kind of speed dial. Um, and, and he says, he's like, look, not not that the past doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it matters. It's a part of your story and such. But but right now, it just matters how you respond. How are you going to respond? Mm-hmm. Are you going to respond as... Uh, and, and that that's basically where his statement stops, so I'll elaborate here. But is it, are you going to respond by saying, throwing stones and saying, no, I want to go back? Or are you going to respond by faith in the gospel? Yeah. What power does it have? Yeah. Are you going to respond in righteousness now? Or are you going to respond in unrighteousness? I mean, that that's that's the options. So I, I get it. That that sucks. Um, you know, but it has no power. It does. It has no unless you're unredeemed. <laughs> right. That's the danger of this passage. He's saying, 40 years, you saw my power." Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and it means go, nothing. And you want to go back to this thing that has no power, right? So yeah. I hear people say, "Well, my past it has all this power." No, it does not. It has it has none. Mm-hmm. And you're yeah. standing in the face of something that has all the power in the world. It's called. Mm-hmm. The good news for a reason, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> Which so it's great. I mean, I'm gonna. I know this is not in our script, but as, as if we have a script. But I, you know, I asked the question, or I, I made the statement, and and we harden our hearts for much less. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was good. And then I, and then I gave this list, and I was wondering if you guys had any to add to that list. We harden our hearts because another church member said something unkind, or we walked out of a sermon not feeling fed, or our finances are not quite what I want. Or my body isn't working the way it should. I'm thinking like illness there. Um, my relationships aren't fulfilling me. Or my child won't quite get in line, a.k.a. they're disobedient or rebellious. Or I don't like that church policy. And we trade in our soft hearts for a cheap song and a dance. Yeah. Um, any other like, because I, I think that hopefully if we can locate where am I... Where am I hard? Like, what's hardening my heart? Then I can go to that item and say, "You should go to hell." Yeah, yeah, I can do that. That's actually part of my script for this. Uh, your third point of how to fight, right? For um, for a soft heart, mm-hmm. for what is supposed in our hope. Uh, 
Yeah. Right. And so essentially what this boils down to is uh, discontent. Mm-hmm. People who are discontent. Every single mm-hmm. one of those reasons that you listed for what we harden our hearts for is discontentment and uh, the reality or truth person of God. Mm-hmm. The reason when we teach theology proper, we talk about the person and the work yeah. of yep. God or of mm-hmm. Christ or of the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's not just what does he do, but it's the personhood of him. Right. Mm-hmm. So discontentment in God is going to lead to all this, which is why you landed where you landed. We get God. But also, I mean, in pairing with that, I your guide to hardening your heart and your <laughs> how to not. I mean, that's <laughs> all that. What is what is that? It's discontentment. Yeah. 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 Man, going back to the, the same person I was speaking of earlier, he sent me this quote randomly last Wednesday, right before I, I walked into a, a terrible meeting. Um, which he didn't know I was having, but uh, he says, uh, this quote says, a man who complains implicitly sees himself over God mm-hmm. rather than under him, demanding that his father rule better yeah. <laughs> rather than rule better, God. trustingly submitting to his will. So just keep that in mind. When you complain, you are implying, God, I wish you would do better. I think you can do better. It should be this way and not that way. God, yeah. you should do better. So you should God, change. Try again. Try harder. Try again, <laughs> Try <God>. again. <laughs> right. Uh, that's right. my usual comeback. Try again. <laughs> try again, exactly. Yeah. It's true, though. That's, that's part of our parenting strategy, too. Would you, you should try that one again. So, um, <laughs> no, discon- yeah, discontentment that I... Um, I did not feel very encouraged at the end of your sermon. <laughs> My flesh did not feel encouraged because <laughs> I am a discontent person. Praise God. Side note, give a plug to uh, Nancy Wilson's book, Contentment. Mm-hmm. I love and hate that book with a passion. <laughs> so, Nancy, if you ever hear this, I love, love you and it. I do not like that book. <laughs> My flesh does not like that book. So, praise God. Um, oh, so, re- everybody at church should read that book. Um, Brent and I read that on sabbatical. Uh, but I was going to say, I think it's easy to harden our heart. There's the real um, kind of uh, blatant ways, but I think a lot of times, very subtly, we can harden our heart over things that um, are, are thing, good things that we desire, mm-hmm. like having children, and maybe not being able to have children, yeah. um, or, or a, a physical infirmity that we have. Um, and where we see that if I didn't have this, you know, it's hard to feel like we, there's any good reason to have this. You know, my mm-hmm. mom's had multiple sclerosis. She was diagnosed when I was born. And so her struggle has always kind of been like, I'm not really sure, I don't see any good reason for this, mm-hmm. right? Other than the fact that I can kind of sympathize with others. And, and of course, she's grown in her sanctification of that and understands that, um, a proper theology of that. Um, but I think often that's where subtly we harden our hearts when good things that we desire that are gifts from God um, aren't just quite working out uh, and we're not willing to be courageous and persevere through those things even in even when our marriage is rough you know it's really easy to harden our hearts and uh, to blame God and tell him to try again mm-hmm. um, and to say like I'm trying here God you know as if we think that when we try things all of a sudden just get easier mm-hmm. in fact they often get harder oh. right um, and we have this idea too that that if if we do X, Y, or Z, God is duty bound to bless me, mm. right? Which means we don't understand to bless the us in the way that we expect. Exactly. Reaping and sowing is yeah, a thing, word. but that's not what mm. we're talking about right. here. Yeah, bless me in <laughs> this particular way. So I think, and I've ah. seen that in my own life though. Like, hey, I desire this good thing, God, um, and you're not letting me have it. Mm-hmm. I would use mm-hmm. that money for your glory, man. <laughs> like only a little bit for myself. <laughs> <laughs> just man, to build a house man yeah exactly l- let me let me read for you this example because i think it just it speaks right to it and and credit to my wife for sharing this post with me mm. um so you mentioned nancy wilson yeah uh so her daughter rachel jankovich so they just had baby i think it's number eight something like that maybe nine somewhere up there that's right. a lot of children that's a lot of children praise god Well, listen to these words from her post. This is five days ago. In the early hours this morning, we met our newest little friend, Ezra Lawrence Jankovic. God, the giver of all the best gifts, 
has given us a surprise in more than one way with this baby, blessing our family with a unique and precious caboose. These photos will always be precious to me from this morning when all our kids came down to the hospital to meet him. And just a hot second after we told them that we were pretty certain that he has Down syndrome. We chose his name before we knew who, he, who we would be meeting, but Ezra showed the people the word in a way they understood and admonished the people to go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Nehemiah 8. And she says, join us in thanking God for the story he is writing, for the child he gave us, for the unexpected blessing of his care for us in this. This little man is already deeply loved, and we are already deeply blessed by his life being woven into ours. Mm. That's like that's a picture of a heart um, that's content. Yeah. That like, that's a picture of 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 a of a mom and a family who has learned contentment. Mm-hmm. They, man, most of us would be complaining here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and I don't know the depths of her hearts, but watching other things that that Jankov- Rachel Jankovic has said and and stuff like it's just mm. like you read those words, God, the giver of all the best gifts. Mm-hmm. Well. <laughs> and and I don't want it to be as be um, arrogant and speak into the struggles that they might be having, but I would assume there is some some fear or worry or you know whatever it might be in there. Mm-hmm. But what she, what is she doing? She is declaring the truth. Mm-hmm. God, the giver of all good things, mm-hmm. right? who gives and, the and best gifts, the best gifts, and coming underneath that. Yes, right. And so if if that is true, then everything's going to be fine, mm-hmm. right? And it's not just going to be fine. It's going to be better than we can ever imagine. Yeah. Right? So you yeah. hear in her words, I trust Jesus is the builder of the house. Yeah. This is this is just the brick he wanted to lay, like, and yeah. we're just going to keep rolling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah. here we are. Yeah. And and when we, I often said this before, like, when we see Jesus and we look back, you know, all the things, it's going to be like, man, what a perfect story. Mm-hmm. A perfect story yeah right but now we want to be cultivating that mm-hmm. right god god doesn't make mistakes mm-hmm. god builds not just a house but a perfect house a perfect house yep a perfect house yeah mm-hmm. with good rate good grapes <laughs> good grapes that's <laughs> yeah. where i think you're ending uh the sermon is i just have in my notes you should make friends with a comfort idol like that's that's how you understand the good life and stop complaining. You can be happy, you can be willing to talk about, proud of our hope, boasting. Listen, man. These type things. There was a week a couple weeks ago and Matt was hunting. And um Russ and I had a nice time in the office. Not great. that we don't have a nice time with Matt's here. <laughs> I was gonna say, what are you no, implying? We had a great time with you, Matt. But I mean the the coffee was flowing. That's right. You know? It can flow still. Yeah. The the pipe tobacco was readily available to me and it was just a beautiful time. Of, I, some you some might a, say that those are great aromas. Yeah, if you just want to en- enjoy, they are great aromas. And if you don't think they're great aromas, you need to get a new nose. You need to find other comfort idols. Exactly. Now, Hangler Russ is a good time. Yeah. <laughs> it's a slow time. I just wanted to wave that flag. I appreciate Doug's, Doug's phrase, right? Complaints, the flag of ingratitude. Mm-hmm. And so I wave the flag of uh, good aroma. He waves the flag of goodness. Yeah. <laughs> I shower daily as well, so protect against that. Uh, yeah. All right. You guys have anything else for this week? No. no Merry Christmas. I need to go to the gym. Thank Merry you. Christmas. Thank you guys for sticking with us. For Make oh, sure you show up on Sunday. And Wednesday. And Wednesday, yeah. Wednesday, 6 o'clock, Christmas party, pie contest, Christmas carols, good times. Amen. And Sunday morning, Christmas And an morning. extra long sermon. Yeah. When? Sunday? Yeah, Sunday. All right. <laughs> For you per- one person right now who's thinking that he's being serious. <laughs> I was to say, it's supposed to be extra short, but I yeah. just don't trust it. No. Yeah. 
I'm trying to trying to come up with a clever. If it's short, then I am not true or something. But blame it on the spirit. I was in. You know, we were in that meeting not too long ago with someone who preaches sermonettes, and uh, I made the comment in there that I was gonna I was gonna preach a 30 minute devotional on uh, <laughs> on Christmas Day, and this person typically, quote unquote, preaches that long. Uh, not too low, too much longer than that. <laughs> I thought you said that you're just going to do a 30 minute sermon and they're like, Oh, I was going to do a shorter one. I'm like, no, that's a devotional. Oh well, yeah. Yes. So this, that's this, my this particular person, this particular person said he was aiming for 15 minutes. That's a devotional. On Christmas <laughs> or in yeah. general? You heard it. Oh, that's true. I did. <laughs> Whatever. So yes. I was well, like, I'm not even getting out of bed for that one. Yeah, for real, I'm not being fed. I need more than an appetizer, right? <laughs> hors d'oeuvres at Chapman, Sunday. I'm going to tell you, so I, what did I preach last time? 72, Se- 74 minutes? Whatever. 74, I'll take it. <laughs> 74 minutes. 71 is my best, so. Okay. Crown is yours. Do I, do I hold the re- Apparently, Matt preached like a two-hour sermon back in the days of renovation. That's People nuts. still talk about That's that That's baloney. But my, but my average in <laughs> Ephesians was 72 minutes, so that means there were some 80s. Okay. Okay, so. But that's a far cry from two hours. All right. That yeah. would be 120 minutes for those yeah, who so can't 72. do math. So 72. So Chapman McBee, if you're listening, <laughs> he comes up to me afterwards, and he's like, you preached like an hour and, you know, something. And at the moment, I just was kind of smiling because I'm always in a daze after I preach. But Chapman, here's what I have to say to you. Where did you have to be? Right? <laughs> Where'd you have to be, boy? You got somewhere to go? The Golden right. Corral. Golden Corral? <laughs> huh? You got a date? <laughs> Hopefully not yet. No, he's no, not yet. He's not allowed. <laughs> not until he can take responsibility for a woman and kids. There you go. And then he can date. And right. What you just heard was a conviction. Well done. Well done. That's where all that language came from. Yeah. All right, guys. We're glad you could uh, join us this week. Thank you for hanging out with us. And yes, we will see you on Christmas. Merry Christmas. You filthy and animals. <laughs> Merry Christmas. You filthy animals. <laughs> Go no love and obey Jesus as Lord over all. Love you guys. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Merry the halls oh, with cows man. and collies. Oh, la 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 la.